Today's episode is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. The Master of Arts Biblical Studies concentration at Ozark is for those who want to study the Bible at the deepest level. Your professors will guide you in the biblical languages and explore different methodologies of interpretation. The Biblical Studies concentration will make the text come alive, saturating you in the Word so that you can be transformed by the Word. So what's the next step? Learn more and apply for free at occ.edu masters. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and I hope that you are ready for a fantastic episode because that's exactly what you're about to get. This episode was the second track session that Freedom in Christ Ministries gave at our forum last year, and it features Daryl Fitzgerald. He and his wife, Stephanie, are marriage pastors at Bethel World Outreach Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. Daryl's story of how Neil's books and ministry have impacted him is just incredible. This whole episode is basically one big inspirational and challenging testimony. After the break, Daryl asked the audience to repeat scripture over themselves, and I encourage you, wherever you are, to do that for yourself. Go ahead. Be that weird guy that stop signing. Looks like he's talking to himself. Anyways, I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to stop talking now and let you hear from Daryl Fitzgerald. Well, my name is not Neil Anderson. Um, I don't have five PhDs. I have an undergrad. I don't have a master's. So you ask yourself, well, how did how'd you get here? Well, this is a breakout session, right? This is a discipleship form, right? That's what we do. We do discipleship. That's what this is focused about. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about my story, how I met Neil and how he was my discipler. I was his disciple. Disciple? Is that the word? So back in 1992, my beautiful wife and I are here, Stephanie. We had gotten married, and in six months, we wanted to kill each other. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, it's because we had a lot of unresolved, painful issues that we both grew up in and didn't know how to resolve. And those issues showed up in our marriage and I was working in the ministry. I was a youth pastor. I was in the church. And I was dealing with a lot of stuff in my own life that had continued to follow me throughout my childhood, teenage years, up until I got married. And didn't know how to resolve those issues. Not only that, my father is a pastor. So get that. So I'm growing up in the church. I knew church lingo. I knew how to be in the church, but I didn't know how to resolve the issues in my own life when it comes to my own pain, when it comes to my own anxiety, when it comes to my own fear. I didn't know how to resolve those issues. Well, in 1992, my wife and I went to a conference just a few miles up the street called Christ Presbyterian Church. 
and Dr. Neil Anderson was there and he was speaking at the conference. Here's the funny thing. My wife secretly said to herself, we're going to this con conference because I want you to get fixed. <laughs> I said to myself secretly, we're going to this conference because I want you to get fixed. <laughs> we get into the conference and we didn't recognize that the issue was not, the issue with me was not my wife. The issue with my wife was not me. The issue was our own stuff, our own junk, our own patterns of sin and stuff that we didn't know how to deal with that we brought into our relationship as husband and wife. I know some of you don't have that issue when you marry. You don't have those, those problems. But when, when those issues conflict with each other and those issues cause you to have pain with each other, divorce wasn't an option, but killing each other was. <laughs> so, so we vowed to ourselves that we wouldn't get divorced, but we didn't vow to ourselves that we wouldn't try to kill each other. But that's why we ended up at his conference. We ended up at Dr. Anderson's conference and it changed the trajectory of our lives as individuals, not as a married couple, but as individuals, it changed the trajectory of our marriage. I dealt with stuff that I'll talk to you about in a couple of minutes that sometimes the church is afraid or ashamed to talk about because we don't know how to handle issues in the church when you hear a young man come up to you and say, I got molested at eight years old. That was me. I got molested at eight years old and I didn't know why the person did it to me. So you, you look at that and you say, okay, that can cause a lot of confusion to a young man who's eight years old. So by the time I was a teenager, I started acting out sexually to prove my manhood, to prove that I was not what this person did to me. But I had these thoughts in my mind that says, you are this thing. You are homosexual. You do deal with homosexual tendencies. And so I fought that and I said, man, and so, so my way of dealing with it was to have sex with as many girls as I possibly could to prove my manhood. Look at that. Now, did I say in the church? Pastors, my dad's a pastor. Now, not only that, but I would wake up with terror at night, 3 a.m. in the morning, didn't know how to really understand, well, why am I waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning? On the dot, not 301, not 259, not 258, every night I would wake up at 3 a.m. and I would be overcome with this fear. And I would look around my room, like something's coming to get me. And I have these nagging thoughts in my mind, these nagging thoughts that would continue to say, you're going to hell. The enemy's going to get you. You're no good. I would be so afraid that I couldn't wait until the morning time came. Then one particular night, this thing steps out of the shadows. I see this dark figure in the middle of the floor in my bedroom. And when I see this dark figure, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm going to hell. It's going to drag me. I'm done. I'm through. And do you not know, people, I was so afraid. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get rid of this thing. Another particular night, I'm in the bed. I wake up at, guess what time? 
It's three o'clock in the morning, 3 a.m. in the morning, and all of a sudden, the sheets on my bed just started moving off my bed. My bed. I said, okay, now what, now what is this? I didn't know how to deal with it. So think about that. Young man, teenager, going into marriage. I, I brought a lot of junk into my marriage, a lot of stuff into my marriage. Now, this is a discipleship.org conference, right? Now, 1992, fast forward, I meet this man called Neil Anderson. I'm sitting in the top of the balcony like, you know, I'm skeptical. Can I be real honest? I'm skeptical. What is this white man going to tell me about that's going to make me think that he knows what I'm going through? But by the end of that conference, guys, it wasn't about black and white. It wasn't about, the, it wasn't about a white man that can tell me anything. It was a spiritual battle going for my mind, in my mind, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And this man himself, Dr. Anderson, gave me the roadmap to show me God is with you. You have what it takes to get through these battles, to help you to win the battle for your mind. Man, fast forward. Now, that was 1992. Fast forward, 2008. Now I'm a family pastor in my church. Now, I'm, I'm periodically dealing with this stuff, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still not fully enjoying my freedom as a child of God. 2008, I meet, uh, I go into this bookstore. It used to be Lifeway Bookstore down in Franklin. I go into the bookstore. I grab probably about 12 of Dr. Anderson's books. When I grab the books, the lady behind the counter says to me, huh, you're a fan of Dr. Anderson, huh? So yeah, that's some things that he did and talked about and shown me as a young man, changed the trajectory of my marriage. And now I'm a family pastor at my church. So what I want to do is I want to teach people what I've been taught. She said, oh, really? I said, yeah, really. And she says, so, well, would you like to meet him? I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> said, no, 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 no. I said, I, because I had so many of his books, I, I knew he lived in California. And she said, no, he doesn't live in California anymore. He lives in Franklin, Tennessee. And then this, this, she said this. She said, he's been looking for an African-American that he can pour himself into because his, his ministry is in, at the time, 40 different countries, but is not prevalent in the African-American community in America. I said, I'm your dude, in, in my head. <laughs> I'm your dude. So I gave her my information, and he calls the next day. Hey, Daryl, Neil Anderson. I said, get out of here, Willis. <laughs> we set up a meeting to meet, and after that meeting, this is discipleship.org, right? We set up a meeting. We, we eat lunch, and at the lunch table, we were there for three hours, just talking. I'm questioning him. I'm, I'm saying what I want to do. And, and then he says something that really struck me. He said, I'm going to Atlanta in about two weeks, but when I get back, we can get together, and we can start doing some discipleship. And at the time, I was like, I was so excited. I said, listen. I said, I know you're not asking me to do this, but um, 
I want to learn as much as I possibly can from you because your ministry has changed my life. It's changed my wife's life. It's changing my kids' lives. I want to learn as much as I possibly can from you. Can I go with you to Atlanta? He said, no, you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to do that. I said, no, I know I don't have to do that. I said, but I'm asking you, can I go with you to Atlanta? Because I want to learn what you do because I want to do what you do. Because it means so much to me. And then he said, okay, you can go come with me to Atlanta. <laughs> the human of God. And then he says, okay, meet me at my house at three o'clock in the morning. Because <laughs> we got to drive to Atlanta. And he didn't know this, but, but I was like, the humor of God, 3, 3 a.m. So God was wanting to redeem 3 a.m. for me, because Satan had stole 3 a.m. for me. So I met him at 3 o'clock in the morning. To, to, to be honest, I was kind of nervous, not because I, I was afraid of him, because I was afraid of 3 o'clock in the morning. So I meet him at 3 o'clock in the morning. We, we drive to Atlanta. And... We're talking about our own wounds. We're talking about our own father wounds. We talk, and so I'm hearing this man talking about stuff. I said, but this is Neil Anderson. He didn't have the wounds that I had. So he talked about his things that he grew up, how he grew up. I'm talking about the things that I, I went through and how I grew up. I'm listening to Michael Jackson doing Gun on the Road. He's like, he's, he's bobbing his head, listening to Michael Jackson. <laughs> so this is discipleship.org, right? So he started discipling me and didn't even know it at that time. So fast forward from 2008, I started to ask him, okay, my church wants to put on a conference at our church. Can you come and do a conference at our church like you did in 1992 when I met you? He said, sure. Now, I didn't think he was going to say sure. Most personable guy ever. You know, there's no, no big eyes and little use with him. He's a child of God, and he wants you to see yourself as a child of God. But, you know, in, in, in America, we got these idols we call heroes in America. But that's, that's not <laughs> anyway. So. Um, so he comes to my church and we do a conference, you know, I, I, I put it on, you know, and, and at that time I was I didn't know what to do. I was just excited to get him at our church because I just wanted people to understand, you know, what Dr. Anderson had done for me. And so I wanted for the church. And so. We do this conference and at the end of the conference, this young lady comes up to him and she says to Dr. Anderson that she wants to go through the steps of freedom. And, and he, in his wisdom, he says, sure, I'll, I'll allow you to go through the steps of freedom, but you gotta have someone in the room with, with you. And he said, I won't dare to go in there with me. I said, oh no, I ain't ready for that. I'm not, I'm not ready to take nobody through the steps. I don't want to see no demons flying across the room. I don't want to see anything. So I'm not trying to see that. But in his wisdom, what he did is he allowed me to see the process, not of a person trying to find help, but God freeing a person from their hurt. And when, when I saw that, when I saw this lady go from there was so much stuff that she had to go through. And one of the steps to, uh, in, in the um, steps of freedom is, is to ask for forgiveness. Now, my name came up 
in the steps of freedom that I had hurt this young lady because she has so much trauma in her life. I didn't know what to do to help her out. I didn't know how to deal with her pain. So I just kept pushing her off like, you know, that's the crazy lady in the church. Don't mess with her. She has a lot of issues. So don't, don't, don't. When, when she comes left, you go right. When she sits down, you stand up. That's the type of person. I just, we just avoided her. And her, my name came up in the steps. And she said, I want to forgive Pastor Daryl for ignoring me. I said, oh, man. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. Why? Not that I didn't want to help her. I just didn't know what to do. I had no clue how to help her. So as we continue to develop relationship, Dr. Anderson and I, and then he said, don't call me Dr. Anderson anymore. Call me Neil. Isn't this what we call discipleship what? Isn't this a discipleship form? He just said, hey, just call me Neil. So it went from being, quote unquote, professional to being friends. Went from friends to being brothers. Went from brothers to starting to work together as men of God. So much so, my wife told me, she said, Daryl, that man loves you. He loves you. Not because of the color of your skin, not because of who you are, but he genuinely loves you. And I didn't realize how much that were true until Neil asked me to be one of his pallbearers for his wife's funeral. Discipleship. We all can reach somebody. We all have the capacity to help somebody out. We all have those people in the church that we look and say, man, that person again? What's wrong with them? Can't they just get it together? No, they can't. If they could get it together, they would have gotten together already. They can't get it together. There's a lot of stuff going on in people's minds that we don't know. A lot of it is spiritual warfare that we don't know how to handle as a 21st century church. We pawn them off, like Dr. Anderson said, like Neil said, we pawn them off to counselors, quote unquote. Listen, you cannot deal spiritually with an issue by giving them a two-step or one-step or appeal to help them deal with the spiritual battle that they're going through. Now, we're not against medication, but medication, people, does not help you when it comes to spiritual warfare. Does not. All you do is calm the physical body, but the spiritual body is still affected by that demon. So we have to learn to disciple people, to walk with people through their junk, through their pain, through their issues. Like Neil did with me. And now, almost 30 years into our marriage, my wife and I, 30 years, we have the privilege to do what he's done for the last, I don't know, how, how do you talk to us? <laughs> don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry. <laughs> we are doing what he is doing. We're going to a church 
on next uh, Friday to help the staff, to help them to learn how to deal with spiritual conflicts with their people. We're going to train the staff. Why? Because we want to train people to help people. Why? Because we all need help. We all got issues. We all got junk. We all got things that we deal with that we don't know how to deal with. And, 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 and by the way, some of you got stuff in yourself today that you don't know how to deal with. You've been fighting that thing for, for the longest time and you don't know what to do to, to get rid of that, you know, that nagging thought, that nagging issue, the thing that continues to plague you. So my job is to help you to see who you are. I want you to help. I want you to understand that God's love for you is so dynamic that he changed your nature. He, cha he changed it. Now, I'm not Neil. I'm going to get a little loud. <laughs> I get a little loud, so, but, but that's OK. But, but I, I, I want you to know. But when you look at yourself, look at yourself through the eyes of not your physical appearance, but your spiritual appearance. Here's the first question I want to ask you. Number one, here it is. Are you a spiritual being that has a body or are you a physical being that has a spirit? Are you a spiritual being that has a body or are you a physical being that has a spirit? Well, hopefully you know that you are a spirit being. Put it this way. Do you have a worldview that teaches you to see yourself the way God sees you? Or do you have a worldview that teaches you to see yourself through the world, the flesh and the devil? God wants you to see yourself the way he sees you as a believer. He wants you to see yourself the way he does. He does not see you through your mistakes. He, see you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. He has redeemed you. He's made you whole. And he wants you to see yourself how he sees you because you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's the one who redeemed you from the pit of hell. He's the one who's given you life and life more abundantly. He's the one who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're not a physical being that has a spirit. You are a spiritual being that has a physical body. Some of your bodies are white. Some of your bodies are black. Some of your bodies are brown. But it don't matter. You're a spirit being that God has made in his image and his likeness that he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I get an amen? Can I get a just, just one? Just one amen. Here it is. Now, just keep up with your sheet because I'm not going to keep up with it. First thing we do is go through the whole gospel. Here's the whole gospel. You're forgiven. Say that with me. <laughs> I'm forgiven. The stuff that I brought into my marriage, the things that I did, the life that I lived before I got married, the stuff that I did when I asked Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior, guess what? 
forgiven. Wiped clean. The Bible says as white as snow. That's not a, a um, metaphor. That's reality. You're clean. So you got to see yourself the way God sees you. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me see your hands. Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you in Christ? Are you a Christian? Does God love you? The issue is not that God loves you. The issue is do you love yourself the way God loves you? God loves you. Do you see yourself through his eyes and his love or do you see yourself through your eyes and your own love? I'm sorry to say, men and women, ladies and gentlemen, your love is temporal. It, it, can't ma it cannot match the way God loves you. It, it cannot. Don't even try. It can't. The grace of God in your life is, is, from, is from everlasting to everlasting. The way he loves you is unfathomable. It's great. It's delicious. It's good. He loves you unconditionally. So. God doesn't want you to walk according to your flesh, but according to the spirit. The Bible says, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. God has freed. Listen, all the stuff that I put my wife through, all the pain that she that I caused her. And I'm, I'm be real. Look, and I was I was listen. I was a little player. I thought I had it together. I thought my life was, I was the epitome of who I am. I'm the God of my world. I was very flirtatious. I brought that into my relationship with my wife. I didn't know how much it was destroying my wife. That's how sin blinds you. It blinds you to make you think you're serving yourself and destroying my wife at the same time. And as, as I was doing that, it got to the point where my wife, said, my wife said, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. And guess who we called? Neil. Not, not at three in the morning. <laughs> it wasn't three. But we, we met with him and he was saying, there's, I'm not going to tell you my counseling session. So it'll, it'll cost you, but I'm not going to tell you my counseling session. But anyway, what we did in those sessions helped me to become more free in who I am and help me to recognize the pain that I was causing, not because what he was saying to me, but because what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me. It was a process. God was, it was taking the layers off one by one, time after time, bit by bit, piece by piece. He was tearing the layers off and he was showing me myself or he was showing me my flesh and the deeds of my flesh and how it was rubbing up the things against the things of the spirit. And God was saying, you got to get rid of the deeds of the flesh because the deeds of the flesh and the spirit can't work together. They're not going to work together. And so over a period of time, I recognized. Now, now at, this did happen at two o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning, my wife and I was having an, what we call an intense fellowship. <laughs> And we was having those intense fellowships and and all of a sudden I just prayed, God, just show me, just just show me what what is my problem? What's going on with me? And listen, I promise you, y'all, it was like, you know, the, you know, when the movie theaters get ready to start. 
the slide came down and there was a flash on the screen. I promise you I saw this. I saw every bit of my life, how I was being flirtatious with other women, flash before that camera. And all I could say was, oh my God, oh my God, how did I do that to you? And how did I do that to you? How did I do that? How did I get myself to that point? I got to that point because the enemy was deceiving me. The enemy was telling me, this is who you are. And God was trying to tell me, this is who you are. And that wrestle was real. I wasn't wrestling against my wife. I wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. I was wrestling against the enemy of my soul who wanted to keep me in bondage. And I promise you, this is no joke to you. And I'm not trying to be, uh, what do you call it? Flamboyant, I'm, not, I'm trying to be sensational, flamboyant. I promise you, the, the thought of even being flirtatious is disgusting to me. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I see it the way God sees it. I experience it the way God experienced it. And I know how much it hurt her. And I know deep down it was hurting me the same way it was hurting her because we were fighting against principalities and powers, and not flesh and blood. The enemy had his fingers in my nose trying to pull me into bondage, but God was trying to cut his fingers off. And what I had to do was listen to the Spirit of God. When he showed me myself, I had to listen to the Spirit of God. And listen to the Spirit of God help me to see the value in my wife, the value in me, and the value in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. There's there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You don't have to live in the shadows. You don't have to live in the sin. You don't have to live condemned. You don't have to live in a place where you are hurting and pain, dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and night terrors. You don't have to live there being flirtatious, pornography. You don't have to live to be unfaithful to your wife, to your, to your husband. You don't have to live there. And there is freedom when you're not living there. It's freedom. I don't have to look over my shoulder wondering what's going to happen. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And the one who delivered me, I don't have to live in the shadows because guess what? Like Muhammad Ali said, I'm a bad man. <laughs> I'm a bad man, not because I'm good, but because he is good inside of me. It's him. He makes my, my computer keeps going up. No, okay. He keeps going up. It's, 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 he's a beautiful God. He's an intimate God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. He's, a, he's an awesome God. He's personal. It's a personal relationship. Guess what? L listen, this is going to sound bad, but it's not. If my wife stops serving God, I won't. If I stop serving God, she won't. Because my relationship is not based on her. My relationship is based on what he did at Calvary's cross. How he made me new. How he he's brought me out of darkness. That's some good stuff. Good stuff.
Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. I would scream, but I don't want to scare nobody. (laughs) Not only did he forgive you, but he gave you eternal life. Eternal life. First John 5 says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It didn't say this life is in Hare Krishna. It didn't say this life is in Buddha or any other guy. Now, I respect all those guys, but none of those guys died for me. And none of those guys can give me life. Muhammad can't do for me what Jesus has done. What Jesus has done for me has given me not physical life because obviously I'm here talking to you. So physical life is not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual life. The life that we all lost when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. He came to give us that life back. And when he gave us that life back, he gave it to us through his son. It's only one way to get to heaven. That's through through my big brother, Jesus. And that's through your savior, Jesus. That's through the Lord, Jesus. And he has come to give us life and life more abundant. But not only that, watch this. Not only did he come to give us life, but he also came to change us. Now, he didn't come to change your physical man yet. But he's going to change your physical man. He didn't even change. Now watch this. He didn't even change your soul. He didn't change your soul. He didn't change your way you think. He didn't change the way you feel. He didn't change the way you choose. What he changed is your spirit. You are brand new in your spirit. Your mind must be transformed on a daily basis. And that's something that you and God have to work on together. If you don't change the change your mind with the word of God, it can't be changed. Won't be changed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is not going to change your mind about being flirtatious. What he's going to do is show you a picture and show you this is what being flirtatious has led you to, how it hurt her and how it's hurting you. What you have to do is you have to look at it the way I see it. I'm going to show it to you, but you have to look at it the way I see it. And what it's going to do is you're going to see the disgust of what it is like I see it. And then guess what you're going to have to do? You have to make up in your mind and in your will that you are no longer going to live like this and see it the way I see it. That's God's love. 
He wants you to be free. He wants me to be free. He wants us to walk in prosperity in our soul. Why? That's how much he loves us. Are you seeing it? Do you understand it? Oh, that's, that's God. That's God. His love is infectious. Not only did he change and give me life, but he changed my very nature. He changed my very nature. He made me into something that I wasn't before. He transformed me into something that I had never had been before. He changed me into a, from, from a, a, a man who walked with Satan to a man who now walks with God. A man who was in darkness, but now a man who is in the light. A man whose spirit was lost, who is now found. He changed the inside of me. <laughs> he changed so much, man. Uh, listen, and guess what? When he changed me, he made me one of his sons. I have the same DNA on the inside of me that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. So when I walk from this life in death, I actually walk from death to life. I'm actually walking from death in this physical body to life in my spiritual body. And he's going to I'm going to see him as he truly is. And guess what? I'm going to look like him. He changed you. Do you believe it or do you believe that you're an alcoholic the rest of your life? Or do you believe that you have to deal with pornography the rest of your life? Or do you believe that you, you, you are a 12-step a program that says, I'm an alcoholic or I'm this or I'm that? Or are you going to believe what God says? Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. If God says I'm a saint, <clears throat> I'm not a sinner. Did you hear that? If God says that you are a saint, you are not a sinner. How many of you believe the lie? I will say that. How many of you believe the lie that I'm a sinner saved by grace? You're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint who sins. It's how you look at it. Do you see yourself through the way God sees you? Or do you see yourself through the way, and I hate to say this, the Western church has taught us to believe that we're sinners saved by grace. What do sinners do? What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself as a sinner, guess what you're going to do? You can keep doing it. I'm not saying that's to say, okay, you, I mean, you got to say it long enough to believe it. No, you got to believe it because it's true. Because the word of God says that you are saints. So the Bible says, it's not what I say. Don't believe my word. Believe his word. How much time I got, baby? Okay. I got 21 minutes. <laughs> so not only did God bring you out of darkness into his light, not only did he change you from the inside of Romans 8, verse 16. 
Now watch this. It says, the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God. The Spirit of God doesn't bear witness with your flesh. He bears witness with your spirit. My spirit was yearning not to be flirtatious. And so God showed me how not to be flirtatious. He showed it to me. Now, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I can go in churches and I just don't like to be religious. I just don't like being religious. Now, if I say to you that I'm flirtatious, then I'm putting myself out to be, I'm, I'm vulnerable. You can think whatever you think of me. You can say, well, how he get up there? He, 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 you know, he's, he's a, <laughs> oh my gosh, how, he can't teach me anything. All have sinned and become children of the glory of God. <laughs> Everybody has messed up. I'm just free enough to say it. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying everybody should do what I'm doing. I, I just know who I am. I know what he's done for me. I know, don't take this wrong, your opinion of me doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't. You can't put me in heaven or hell. But guess what? I can say this stuff and be free enough to say it to help someone else to become free. Because the last I checked, the Bible says, make yourself of no reputation. My reputation is not in me and what I've done. My reputation is in Christ. When I boast, I don't boast about what I've done. I boast in, I boast in Christ, what he's done for me, because I know from whence the junk I have done and come from. I know. I know. And it's gooder and gooder every time I get freer and freer. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So here's what Paul says about this. This is Paul's theology. This is not me. This is Paul. This is what Paul says. As you therefore have been have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. There's two things you do. You receive him and you walk in him. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I can say what I'm saying and be confident in what I'm saying because this man walked with me on the golf course. He taught me my identity on the golf course. He taught me my identity sitting, down, sitting at the lunch table. He walked with me and, and said, you can do this stuff. You can, you, you can, you can do what I'm doing. It does, you don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have six degrees. You can help people to do what I do. I'm, I've been doing it all over the world. You can do it too. And I started believing it. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can make this happen. I can take this to, my, to not only to the African-American community, I can take it to anybody because everybody's my evangelism. White, black, brown, pink, yellow, dog, cat, rat, anything. Yeah, all of us. 
I mean, we're, we're redeeming it all. We're bringing it all back to the kingdom. It's all his. It's all his work. It's what it's what he wants us to do. And so Paul himself, not only Paul, it's, it's Paul's theology, but it's also John's theology. First John, chapter two, verse 12 through 14 says this. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. When you become a Christian, you don't know how to walk in the spirit yet. But your sins are forgiven. So we are all little children when we come to him. Our sins are forgiven. So the things that I've done wrong, it's, it's forgiven. Now I have to learn how to walk in the forgiveness that he has provided for me on the cross. I have to learn who I am because when I, once I learn who I am, I don't have to walk in the, in the dungeon of sin. I can walk in the light of his glory. Once I learn how to do that, once I learn to be the disciple of Christ, walk in his ways, learn his, listen, Man, this is no lie. I started reading Dr. Anderson's book, Plug, Victor Over the Darkness. If you haven't got it, go get it. Bondage Breaker. I read that book like it was my PhD dissertation. I read that book so much, my wife said, are you involved in a cult? <laughs> I, was, I was eating it and devouring it and learning it and understanding who I am in Christ. I was, I was, I was. It was the pure milk of the word of God. It wasn't his idea. It was God's word that, that he was teaching. And I was I was eating it up. I was eating it up so much so I looked like I was kind of crazy. But it was OK. I was crazy. I was a little overboard. I was I was teaching. I was preaching to the to, to the dogs. I, anybody that I, would, I could get in front of and, and tell them who they are in Christ, I would tell them. I would just, I would just, I would go in. I would just say, you don't, do you not know who you are? Do you not know what God's done for you? I was, I was preaching this thing so much. My kids, listen, my kids today, oh my gosh, they say, dad, we know, we know how much, we know who we are in Christ. We know what it means to be a child of God. We know. We, we, and we impregnated them in their, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 year old, and now, now watch this. My daughter, who's 26 years old, she called my wife and I the other day and she said, I just want to thank you guys for instilling in us who we are in Christ because we, I now understand what it means because I now have to fight this fight myself. I, I can go into heaven now. That's it. That's it. No, I, I, I can't go to heaven yet. I got too many more people to tell. Too many more people. And so do you. So do you. Oh, my gosh. It's some good stuff. It's good. It's, it's a, what's the song? Mmm, good. Mmm, good. It's an old song, isn't it? It's a, that's what candles, y'all know what it's saying? Mm, I'm dating myself. It's all right. So how, how do you get this transformation? Here, here's, here's, here's how I look at it. The, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is sharp. It's, listen, this is your medication. Take you five uh, milligrams. Take, no, take 100 milligrams of this right here. Take 100 milligrams of the word 
because it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Listen, once you take 100 milligrams per day, watch the change. Watch the change in your thinking first. Because the world and the flesh and the devil has impregnated your mind with lies and unbelief. But God wants to impregnate your mind with truth and righteousness. And you can't be impregnated with the word of God if you're not reading it. You got to get involved. You got to understand who you are. And the first way that you understand your, your significance and your security and your belonging is to understand that God loves you. 100 percent. I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you about 100 milligrams of word in a couple of minutes. So you can I'm going to let you stand up and say these things so that you can help you. You know, now, listen, the word of it is active is sharper than any double edged sword. Now, watch when you start speaking this word. I'm not speaking to your flesh. It's going to start speaking to your spirit and your spirit man is going to start loving it. Your spirit will start loving that word because the word is life. It's food. The Bible says man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, once you start speaking it and mulling over your mouth and you start speaking that word, it does something to your spirit, not your flesh. Your flesh will hate it. But your spirit will say, that's the, ooh, that's the best steak I've tasted all day. All day long. That's what he does. That's what the word does. He does it because he loves us. He didn't die just to be average, just for you to be average. You're a king's kid. <laughs> You're mighty warriors. Don't act like it. Believe it. You're more than a conqueror. You're the righteousness of God, your father. You belong to him. He belongs to you. You are a bad man. You are a bad woman. Ooh, that's good. Bad meaning good. You're good. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. Not only the word is active, but what the word of God also does. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17. It says all scripture is given. By inspiration of who? God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, righteousness. It said it's profitable. Who likes a good prophet? I like good prophets. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm dabbling with these bitcoins. I'm dabbling with some investments. Why? Because I want a profit. Everybody want to profit. You want profit? If you didn't want profit, you wouldn't be investing in mutual funds. Everybody wants profit. The Bible says the word of God is profitable. It's profit. You want to succeed? Get the word. Understand the word. You wanted to go up, not down. Volatile? Nope. Get the word. It's, it, the word always does this. It always does this. It never goes down. It keeps going up. It goes to the, to the stratosphere. It gets, as far as my hand, it, gets, it goes, it goes. It keeps going. Good stuff. It's profitable. 
It checks you. It checks you when you're wrong. It corrects you when you're right. It does it all. So what I want to do, I want you to see, I want you to see how much God loves you that he changed you. He changed you. Why? Because he wants a family. He wants you. He wants me. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you. This is you. This is your identity. You don't have to work for it. Just believe it. You don't have to try to make this true. This is true. You don't have to try to make this a reality because you go to church. Going to church doesn't make this who you are. Praying doesn't make this who you are. You can't pray long enough. I've learned that. I grew up Pentecostal church. Church of God in Christ. Grew up. Church of God. What makes this true is you believing the finished work of Christ and what he's done for you. This is true, watch this, whether you believe it or not. But it, it, it helps you to believe the truth and not to believe a lie. So can you read this? First John, is this the right one? No, I don't think this is the right one. One more slide. Here it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. Here it is. In Christ, you are accepted. You listen, you don't have to work for his acceptance. He worked so that you could be accepted. Amen. He did the work. You don't have to do the work. He did it. He made it possible for you to be here. So I want you to say this out loud. Just loud. Make the other people on the other side. Hear your voice when you say this. Say this loud. I am accepted in Christ. Number one. I am God's child. That's just sorry. That's just pitiful. <laughs> That's just weak. If you was at the Titans football game, I'd be screaming this thing. I'd just be screaming. Say it again. Number one. I am God's child. There it is. There it is. Number two. Not, you're not his enemy. You're his, you're his friend. You're his friend. Number three. I have peace with God, having been justified. You're justified. You have peace with God. I have peace with God. Number four. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. Ooh, one spirit with him. One spirit with him. Number five. I have been bought with Christ. Get that. Say that one more time. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. There was a price to pay for you to be who you are. And Jesus paid that price. Number six. I am a member of Christ's body. I told you you're bad. I told you. Number seven. I am a saint. Number eight. I have been adopted as God's child. When you adopted, man, you know, oh, man. My father, which is my, my uh, stepfather, 
married my mom with five children. He married her with five children. And when he married her, my mom divorced my dad when I was like six months old. So I don't have a relationship with my biological father. But my earthly father said, guess what? I'll take you in. Five kids. Five. Five kids. So Satan, who was your father, he acts like he don't want you, but he does. But Jesus said, I got to pay a price so that they can be my children. God paid a price for you. Now you're adopted as God's children. Keep going. I I need to stop here for a second with that one. That one right there. Listen, you don't have to go through a prophet, a priest. You don't have to go through a prayer line. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you like he talked to me. You have direct access to him. Isn't that good stuff? Personal. Keep, Keep going. I have, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Some of your sins. Two-thirds of your sins. 99% of them. All your sins, the ones that you've committed in the past, the ones you've committed in the present, and the ones you will commit in the future, you have been forgiven of all of them. N- number 10. You're completing Christ. You're completing Christ. All right, not only are you sick, but you're secure. I just want you to, I'm not going to do a dissertation to each one of them, but just read them out loud. Go ahead, read. Number one. I'm free from This is who you are. Last one. Read it. I am the salt and light of the world. I am joined to Christ and able to bear fruit. I am chosen by Jesus to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am the temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells. I am an ambassador of Christ who gave me a ministry of reconciliation. I am God's little worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You may ask yourself, man, wait, should I believe that stuff? Yes. Why should you believe it? Because it's true. We have no problem believing the lies of the enemy. 
But we have, we have a serious problem with believing God's truth. You have no problem believing that, man, I'm, I'm the scum of the earth. I'm no good. I'm bad. I had no problem believing that I couldn't do it, that I was stupid. That's what I was told when I was a kid. I had no problem believing it until God's word came to change me. Now I believe the truth instead of the lies of the enemy. So Lord, thank you for your people. I pray that you'll continue to seal into their hearts the truth of who you are and the truth of who they are in you, that we are men and women of God who have been born of the Spirit and we bear your image. We are made just like you. So thank you for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that awesome stuff from Daryl? Man, that was so good. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. We got one more track session coming out from Freedom in Christ Ministries. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you know when that comes out. And as always, thank you so much for being a listener of the podcast. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you.